All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Positive Friday continues on. How are you? The Gregor Show on Sports 1440. Orders Nation uh, YouTube and Facebook is always presented by our title sponsor, Play Alberta. .ca, where, of course, uh, player props. Uh, you want to bet on uh, who you think is going to score tonight? Connor Brown? <laughs> Dare to dream. Maybe Warren Fogle? Could he set a new career high tonight with his 14th goal of the season? What about Connor McDavid? How many apples? Yeah, McDavid has 17 assists in his last seven games. No goals. Quite the... Uh, and that's odd to see a guy get that many assists in a row without a goal. So, actually, um, I may be leaning toward McDavid. I think I did that in my uh, not-so-obvious uh, game day prediction. McDavid last year had 14 multi-goal games. He only has two this year. So, uh, there's my uh, Orders Nation not-so-obvious game day prediction. Two Genos tonight for uh, 97. And, uh, yes, he will extend his uh, home point streak to 21 games tonight. Some former fashion or another, uh, he'll get a point tonight. Is uh, I think my, that's the obvious game day prediction. Let's get to our uh, big guest of the day. Brought to you by the Spruce Grove Saints. They're back in action tomorrow night down at the Grand Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. Get your tickets at sprucegrovesaints.ca as we welcome to the program Olympic gold medalist Lori Ann Munzer. Lori Ann, how you doing? Happy Friday, Jason. How are oh, you doing? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm doing great. It's nice out. The weekend's good. We actually have some snow coming. So uh, 
It's nice. Did. Lots of hockey, too. There's a, a rare uh, double dip for Oiler fans Friday and Saturday. And uh, got uh, coaching two games this weekend, so I'm fired up. It's going to be awesome. That's perfect. Um, I, I do want to talk about a few things. We're going to get into uh, Connor Brown, because I know you want to talk about Brown. We saw his interview with Speck and some of the things he said, um, you know, and the importance of kind of, you know, mental fortitude and belief and if it's good or bad. But, um, you know, coming back from injuries, of course, there's a, there's a big thing. I know that, you know, Mark Stone sat out last year and, you know, uh, did, did Vegas probably extend his return? Yes. I think they did for a week or two. Doesn't mean he wasn't injured initially, but, uh, if, uh, if the uh, loophole's there, they took it. And uh, although their playoff roster still was cap compliant, um, based on the 82.5 million, but nonetheless. Um, returning from injury and because we, we, we've, we've had a lot of people, I think, that are out, especially young athletes, and you come back from an injury, there is hesitation, especially in contact sports and probably even like in gymnastics or even in cycling, there's going to be the mental block, right? Mm-hmm. So easier said than done, but how do you come back and be effective after an injury that keeps you out for a significant period of time? That's a great question. And there's a couple of components because there's the physical component and then there's the mental component. The physical component, I would say, is easier because you can measure it easier by activities. So it's something that we call it like the formless substance versus the unformed. So when you're talking about the mental aspect, that's more of an intangible. So it's how do you measure that? And part of that comes from how you feel. If you're... If your confidence is, is starting to drop because you're maybe afraid of maybe re-injuring, having that happen, that is going to play with your head. So what you want to do is you want to mitigate as much of that, I'm going to say negative self, self, self-talk self or doubt, and you want to move it onto the positive perspective. Um, with that saying in mind is, is there's always like, an affirmation. Some may call it a prayer, but in sports we call it an affirmation. It's a mantra, yeah. something that you repeat over and over and over again until you literally feel it. And the feeling part comes with the belief and they go hand in hand. So you need one with the other. If you're missing one, it's not going to be a great return or it's not going to be a great game. So a lot of this comes from literally taking a pen, a pencil, writing it down. How do you want this to go? And it's repeating it so that it becomes the new normal. And while you're out on the sidelines, you know, maybe you're like, you know, watching the game or you're in the stands watching your team play. It's what can I do? And and you start to play these mental games of putting yourself into those scenarios so that when you go back into the game and you're in that spot, you've mentally had that training time. You may not have had the ice time or the dry land training, but you've had it mentally. And when you see it once, it's like, oh, okay, I could do it again. And then you do it again, but you up the ante, you up the level of going, how good can I actually repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it again and again? And that is the part that even though you're not in the game physically, there's that mental component, which is huge. And it separates um, you coming back successfully or coming back uh, where it's a struggle. So there is the, me- but then there's also the physical element where depending on how long you've been off, mm-hmm. you're not going to, cause I don't care how much you train and how much you practice. Guys stay healthy all summer and they still say, I don't get in game shape until I play games. 
right? Mm-hmm. So the the physical like how much do people have to be realistic about their expectations coming off of an injury? Because I think sometimes they come back and they're like, "Well, hey, I'm back. I should be the same." But you're not going to be the same right nope. away in a lot of instances. So part of it is con- not convincing, but reminding yourself and maybe even your organization that, hey, we can't expect player A to come back and be player A when they left, you know, after playing healthy for three months. Absolutely. And you do have to be realistic. You have to have a couple of game plans because you technically should be back and you should be in the shape if you've been doing the pre the preparation to get back into shape again from an injury. Like when I broke my collarbone in 94, I could not raise a soup can. I could not even raise my arm to my shoulder height because I I broke my collarbone, crashed, I wiped out. Um, Coming back was, it was a mental game. I literally was on an ergo trainer or my bicycle with the handlebars flipped up. Um, Then there's different stages, so you really need to map that out. And there is a duration. There is a gestation period for that. And the other thing you need to think about is, okay, if it's going well, what is this outcome? If there's a couple setbacks, then what is that outcome? If there's a really big bad set out, like problem, what does that look like? Um, in, in 2002, Pan American Championships, Quito, Ecuador, uh, I coming off of Commonwealth Games, I was sick. I thought I had the flu. Unbeknownst, I had a ruptured appendix just about to rupture. Like it was brewing and mm-hmm. it was not happy. Um, and unfortunately, I was out for the rest of the season, which was really much of a bummer because I still had the world championships that I was shooting for to win. And I probably would have won it because of my fitness, the mental prowess. But then I got sidelined and it was just totally out of my control. And then it was, okay, rebuild, rebuild. And that was the focus to come back and then literally knock it out of the park. But I also had to plan around that it was going to be a year. Okay. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit to because it's not an injury. But we're talking about mental toughness. And um, Connor Brown, of course, uh, everybody knows he hasn't scored a goal in Edmonton. He hasn't actually scored a goal in almost two calendar years because of an injury. He only played four games last year. And, uh, you know, he's had chances, but he can't score. That's, you know, you do see at times when he gets around the net, there's just that slight hesitation. There's a little bit of a lack of confidence, I think, in how he's shooting. That's normal. Um it was interesting, you know, Speck had asked him a lot and he says, you know what, hey, you came here and then, uh, you know, to be somebody who would help him and they might move you out at the deadline to bring in someone else. And he said, well, that'd be a mistake because, you know, I'm going to play well. Um, what, what did you, how can you tell the difference of, you know, is it fake until you make it? Because some people will say all the right things, but then mm-hmm. they aren't doing all the right things. So yep. when you, when you read what he said and then you watch how he plays, do you think, it's like legit. Like he just can't score, but he has confidence in other elements of his game. What do you make of it? I think he has confidence. I think he's trying too hard, to be honest. If I was his coach, if I was his mentor, I would say to him, you know what? Let it go. Like seriously, let it go because he's trying too hard. And what happens, what I see, you know, from a, a mindset perspective is when you try too hard, you put a kink in the hose. And I would just say, look, go out play this game as if it's a championship game and have the most fun you have ever had before. Because sometimes what happens is when you try to make it happen, 
it becomes that thing of force and you're double thinking it, you're overthinking it, you're hesitating. And that's where it shows up. And it's like, you keep hitting, you're, you're so close, but it's like, okay, you're not scoring the, the puck's not going in the net. And I would just say, puck it, you know what, let it go mm-hmm. and go and have like, go and have the game of your life. Go and just play all out as if you're a kid. And I can tell you right there is that when you go to have fun, you can actually slow down your events. You can slow down the plays. And that is when you start to get into the flow. If what, like, what should Connor Brown be doing now that's any different? Or because he's like, when I watch his games, actually, he's on the four check. He creates things. He's act, like last game. Look how many good chances he had. Yeah. So like the only thing I, I could think of, honestly, is. He's got to work on his finishing ability around the net. I would because his effort, I don't have an issue with. His penalty kill, I don't have an issue with. His stick placement, I don't have an issue with. I would be spending tons of time just shooting the puck because that's the that's the only thing that's lacking. It's that's not, the it, close. Yeah, it's he's getting there, but he's not finishing. Yep. So working on on your skating and being in the weight room isn't going to help your finishing. Correct. I would say you're correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I like the closing part of it. I'm, you know, I mean, the, the drills are great. Okay. But yeah. Do you need more fitness? Maybe not. Yeah. I don't think he needs more. Like I think he's in good enough shape. We see that in the games. Like I don't see places where Connor Brown, you know, has a, he's getting caught from behind because he's not in good shape. Right. Or he's always not getting to the puck and he's short on every battle. Because of it. Yeah. Right? So, um, to me, it'd be more so I would be working on shot after shot after shot. And I would probably, if I was a coach, I would say, hey, get a goalie in at the end of practice and let him score a few on you. Honestly. You know? Now, some would argue, you don't want your goalie to let goals in. Well, get a third goaltender then. I know they have practice goalies. Get a third practice goalie out there for a practice. Winnipeg does it with Connor Hellebuck where they bring out a third goalie and he doesn't have to take as many shots because they want to, they want to reduce the amount of volume that he takes even in practice. Right. So I would do that. And I would tell that guy, Hey, when 28 comes down on you, you're going to make sure that you're giving him a corner or something so he can visualize himself scoring. And I think what you're saying is, what if you position the goalie in certain spots and get him to really pick those spots and really practice them, which is the closing marks, right? It's, okay, what else could he do when he's doing his visualization? You know, in sports, in cycling, what we would do is we would take coming out of turn four, which would be about 60 meters, I think, mm-hmm. coming out of the corner to the finish line. And what are you doing coming out of that corner? And where are you looking? Where are your eyes fixed? Your eyes have to be fixed through the finish line. So, you know, the equivalent is, okay, set the goalie up and, you know, practice those point shots and see, make it a game. How many times can you actually score? Yes, 100%. Like you, yeah. you, you, I'm a big believer that how you practice is how you play. I'm a firm oh, goodness. believer. Like Absolutely. If, you, if, if you can't complete passes or score in practice, I don't think you're going to complete many or score Mm-mm. games. You definitely won't. If you do, it's fluke. Yeah. It's not luck, it's fluke. Yeah. There's a difference, totally. right? Because because you have to go in prepared. And if there's one hole or one element that it's not there, then okay, what do you have to do to mitigate it? What do you have to do to course correct it? And we used to practice, Jason. We would go from the middle of the track to the finish line and you had I don't know, 20 meters. Okay. And you had to throw your bike. How the heck do you throw your bike 
on fixed gear. So you can't stop pedaling. And you literally, it's... there's. What, a, what do you mean by throw your bike? Literally. I have a photo finish that went down to one one thousandth of a second and I lost the race. And we both had literally thrown the bike because you can get this momentum and it's almost like you're scooching up on the nose of your saddle, your your bike seat. And you literally throw, like if, if you can see but me you right left now. the tire off the... Oh, God, no. No, oh, no, no, okay. no. You always keep it on the track because if you get air, then you've lost a second, two seconds. Yeah, yeah. Like, because you, you always have to be on the track. But you're throwing your bike forward. And it's like, you know, if you give a skater a shove. Right. That's what I'm doing with my hands on the handlebars. And so is it, and it, at, that, at that point, are you out of the saddle? No. Nope. Oh, no, 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 no. You have to so be in the saddle. you're in the saddle and the bike's moving? Yep. Really quick, at okay. about probably 60K an hour, 65K okay. an hour. Yeah. And it's spectacular because, seriously, like, it's like when you see the, um, the ath- athletics, track and field, and they literally throw themselves across the finish line. It's the same thing, except you're on a bicycle and you can't stop pedaling. And you'll even see it in road races like Tour de France when we were talking with Steve Bauer. I mean, there, it comes down to who can throw their bike the best. Hmm. And that's precision. Yeah. So but you, you, you but the first time you, do, oh God, you have to yeah. practice it. Because the first time you do trying, it, I'm trying to visualize doing mm-hmm. it, and I can't do it. No. So. But it's 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 no. really cool, and there's a feeling associated with it that you know, you just yeah. know. Yeah. Like I think, you know, Connor Brown can take all the mental stuff, and he's mentally strong, and all those sorts of things. But I believe if he's not working on shooting, 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 and different angles around the ice, where he scores from, like don't take long shots. I haven't seen him take a long shot all year. That's not as it's not what he does. Yeah. I would be trying every shot because he's getting open in the slot. None of them are going in. So yeah. you guys got to keep shooting repetition. To me, you know what? Um, and practice it slow. And then, and then the other thing I would do is, uh, and I asked, actually asked Chris Knobloch this, and he chuckled because earlier this year, Ryan McLeod hadn't scored. Went in long fun, I think it was 20 games. Scored an empty net goal in Winnipeg. He didn't really cheer, but his teammates cheered. Then the next game, he scores 10 seconds or 12 seconds, whatever it was in the game, and he goes on a heater where he scores seven or eight goals. Yeah. Warren Fogle had, uh, hadn't had been in the funk, scores an empty net goal in Arizona, scores two goals the next game. And then Fogle even told me that his first year in Edmonton, he'd gone 22 games without a goal. Glenn Galtson was head coaching. Uh, uh, he got called out for one game. I think Woodcroft was something that Woodcroft or tip it somebody was gone anyway and he was the head coach for the one game mm-hmm. put a fogel out on the ice for the empty net goal he scored the next game he scored two goals again yeah. and even though it's an empty net goal there's yeah. the psychology of just it goes you see you see a number one by your name but you also know you scored you don't tell yes. yourself that there was no goal you just know you scored oh a goal is a goal yeah and so i, I just think brown you know if he scores one i'm not saying he's going to score two goals the next game like that abundantly clear but it's clear for me right now that right now there is a massive block when he gets in a shooting position. Yep. Yeah. And one of the best things is practice, practice, practice. Practice it slow so that when it's at like mock speed, game time, it becomes automatic and you just like, you, yep. you do it. Yeah. Just puck it. That's what I say. I like it. I like it. Lorianne, have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, Jason. It's, uh, Lorianne Munzer, our big guest of the day, brought to you by the Spruce Grove Saints. Uh, quick break. We'll come back, man. We got a loaded show. Button. We got, uh, Speck. We got, uh, Wanye Gretz. We're also going to talk, uh, a little bit about, um, the, uh, Calgary Flames because it's two weeks to the deadline and they seem to be maybe the biggest mover and shaker. We'll talk about it next on the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 327. Welcome back. Jason Greger Show, Sports 1440, Orders Nation, YouTube, Facebook, how are you? 
Coming to you live in the Ewell studio, E-W-E-L dot C-A, for all your electrical needs, your local electrical distributor. And then uh, they are rolling right now, busy. Lots of projects on the go at Ewell. And uh, speaking of on the go, oof, I think we're two weeks away. And there is no team I think people are watching closer than the Calgary Flames heading into the uh, trade deadline. Uh, Noah Hannafin. Potentially Chris Tanev, maybe Jacob Markstrom. They all going to be on the move? We'll find out. Uh, let's go in the room now. Brought to you by Next Gen Transportation, heavy haul transport provider, 100% locally owned and operated, and uh, proud to sponsor numer- numerous youth sports teams and aspiring Olympian who is on the Canadian bobsled team, Devo McCune. Giving him uh, all their best from nextgentransportation.com. As uh, Eric Francis, uh, longtime beat reporter and analyst for the Calgary Flames on uh, Sportsnet, uh, joins us. Eric, welcome back to the show, my man. How you doing? I'm all good, my man. Thanks for the brass bonanza. But ends a blast. That was my team. That's uh, oh, dude, same as me, the man. Oilers were my team. Really? Oh, oh, every, yeah. oh, every Friday. It's positive Friday we play the bonanza on the show. I love it. So, yeah, I do love it. I love it. Yeah, you're right. It's a rare moment in time where the league, like where the Calgary Flames are in the spotlight. Listen, the Oilers are used to that over the years for various reasons. Uh, And as long as you have McDavid, you'll always have, uh, you know, the spotlight. But in Calgary, uh, we don't get the national attention very often. And for the next two weeks, we'll have it. And then we will uh, disappear into oblivion once again. Huh. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at it and like, let's start with the Noah Hannafin situation, right? Like it was reported at the start of the season that Hannafin had said the Flames, hey, I'm, you know what? I don't want to sign long term. Right. Uh, so even as I think you might even had it like last summer. So are you surprised it's taken this long? Because then there was the report that maybe they were close to getting a deal. So take me through the whole Hannafin situation from going to maybe staying and now going again. Yeah, no, you, you nailed it. I mean, it, it looked like they had a deal uh, earlier this year. And then, uh, if you recall, the Flames had lost, I believe, six in a row or six of their first seven or eight. Uh, and, and, and there was a bit of a panic there. The organization said, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to reevaluate everything. We Why are we locking up core players when the core is not getting the job done around here? So they kind of put a kibosh on all all contract extension talk with, with Lindholm, with Hannafin, with everybody. And uh, they lost momentum there. And then they re- reopened it and said, you know what, even if we are rebuilding, uh, Noah, you're only 26 years of age. Now he's 27. But at the time he's 26, uh, you could still be, you know, we could still build around you. You're a core piece moving forward. And they had an eight-year, $60 million contract on the table. And uh, Noah just decided last week, after some serious contempla- uh, contemplation, you know, he went home during the All-Star break with his family to Boston, talked about it endlessly, and then just made the tough decision. You know, he, it was a tough decision for him. He likes Calgary. Uh, you know, he, he. but at the end of the day, uh, these guys get that one shot, right? Or if yeah. they're lucky, they get one or two shots to go sign wherever they want. His good friend is Matthew Kachuk. I bet he's heard endlessly about going to work in flip-flops every day. And at the end of the day, I think that's what he's uh, chosen to pursue. I wouldn't be surprised if he signed somewhere way down in the deep, sunny south at some point. Well, when you, you know what, 
I yeah, a lot of some people said Tampa Bay, which I guess you never rule out Tampa Bay. Uh, Florida, I think, would make sense. Florida make the now the, to make the trade work, Eric. How obviously the Flames? I'm sure you know everybody knows the cap situation. They're going to have to retain salary. You retain some salary, you get a little bit more in return. What do you think is going to be a realistic return for Hannafin? Uh, I think that you're looking at at a very base, you know, first rounder, a top prospect. And a, and a serviceable roster player. I, I, I think that's their starting point. It was a, almost identical for Elias Lindholm, and they ended up getting five pieces in exchange for Lindholm, but didn't have to retain any salary. Uh, in this case, yeah, I agree with you. Salary retention is, is very much in play, probably. And I would submit that anything less than three of those three pieces plus plus uh, would be uh, would be disappointing for the Calgary Flames. So that's what I think they're looking for. And they're a little behind the eight ball, right? Because up until last week, they weren't sure if they were going to be shopping Noah Hannafin. I'm sure many people have called all year long about him, just wondering. Uh, but now that he's fully in play, um, but, you know, they got to catch up and find out exactly who's in, who's out. And I, I and, and the funny thing is it's almost clouded by another guy on their roster in Chris Tanev, and I'm sure you were going to go there in a bit, yeah. but, you know, you know, there are teams out there probably going, well, which one do we want? If we're going to make a big trade for a defenseman, do we want Tanev or do we want Hanfin? Because, you know, they're both really solid additions for anybody. Like, I think analytically, um, that pairing is one of the best defensive pairings in the National Hockey League, has been for a couple of years. But which one do you want as a rental? We know which one you'd want moving forward because mm-hmm. one's younger than the other. But uh, and, and going back to Tampa, like Tampa is, to me is the perfect fit for Noah Hannafin. If they could come up with the assets, then I think that's where he'd end up. But you know they lost Sergachev, and he really does fill a void that he plays a similar sort of. He kind of is a similar player than Sergachev. He can add your offense, but also can play every single way you want. So. Uh, I, I, you know, it, it'll be very interesting to see who who steps up and gets each one of those guys. Now, Chris Tanev, I'd heard people thought you know a second rounder. And I, you watch Tanev closer than I do, and uh, you know what? Uh, the guy's a warrior, but you know, it looks like he's almost hurt every game, right? Like he's blocking shots, <laughs> he looks uncomfortable all the time. Um, like, is is there a concern? Not so much that he can have a good playoff run, but like, would you want to sign him for any longer than two years? Like, does he not just seem like a guy who's who's on the brink? of kind of the wheels falling off. Yeah, but you know what, Jason, like when the Flames acquired this guy as a free agent, what was that? Four years ago. Now that was the knock on him too. Then coming out of Vancouver, I missed a lot of games. He's injuries getting old. He's not the Chris Tanev that he was five years earlier. And here we are all these years later. And he was incredibly durable. I think he's only missed 20 games as a Calgary flame, which is absolutely insane given the way he plays. And, uh, and 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 he's you know he's he really is one of the best defensive defensemen I've seen in a long time. Like you know he really is that that guy you want on your team. Like uh, so, yeah, that's always a concern that he could get injured. I think the Calgary Flames even wanted to sign him for another two year extension because he's such a great role model. Rasmus Anderson said to me, if there's any guy in our organization that should be untouchable, it's Chris Tanev. Never you know that's that's a pretty strong wording. And I think he could be a great mentor for any guy he played with and a great defensive partner. But two years is the most the Calgary Flames were willing to extend him. I'm pretty sure at age 34 he wants a four-year deal. Well, I know he wants a four-year deal, mm. and that's where the conversation kind of ends. Yeah, no, that that's fair. Now, the Markstrom 
trade. It sounded like they'd kind of agreed on everything except for salary retention. And at the end, that's what, uh, that's what nicks the deal. That Now, do you know how much, like, was it 50% salary retention? Was it 20? What, what was the retention? And was that really the holdup to that deal in New Jersey? You know, only one person's reported that and it's been uh, unsubstantiated. Okay. So I, I don't even want to go there at all. Uh, I, I don't believe that that was the case, but either way, um, I will say this, there is, Conflicting reports out there uh, uh, about whether the Calgary Flames would be interested in, in salary retention of any sort, because yeah. historically the organization has not uh, been very forthcoming when it comes to that. Uh, I can tell you that that is wide open, absolutely 100 uh, percent at Craig Conroy's disposal. He not only just for one player, but he's got three three slots that are all open right now, and he could use them all, and he will use them all if that's what it calls for. So. Um, you know, the Markstrom thing, there's really only been a rumor on one team being interested in him. And this is why I've been kind of saying all along, I, I think this is a summertime deal. Uh, uh, when when you've got a whole lot more teams that have, that, that have some, the, the capacity, the assets, the time, and, and also you've got a handful of teams that will lose in the first or second round and say, God, you know what, we really could have used a, a veteran-proven goalie uh, and, and maybe go after Markstrom. So still got two years left on his deal. Uh, I see no rush on this. And, and I think, you know, if that report was correct and they were that close to, uh, to sign him, I don't blame the Calgary Flames for holding out for exactly what they want because uh, they've still got two years left to make this deal. And he's still going to be a hot commodity in the summer no matter what. So I'm, I, I'm not sure I see this deal happening before March 8th. Hey, anything's possible. Um, to me, this is a summertime deal all, all day long. Now, I, I know that, you know, Wolf has uh, has been highly rated. Um, but you look at Calgary, when Markstrom's not playing this year, Eric, their numbers aren't very good, right? Like, it kind of no. it kind of shows that, hey, you know, they, they don't necessarily have the best environment in front of the goaltending right now. And Markstrom, when he's in, is playing unbelievable. So it may, it's unfair. But, like, I know you could be the best goalie in the American League. But the American League is very different than the NHL. I've seen lots of, you've seen lots of top guys who are, geez, this guy's got 80 points in the American League. Can't score to save his life in the NHL. Like, where, yeah. are, you, where are you on Wolf? Like, do we know enough or is there a lot of hype that he's got to live up to that maybe he's a little bit unfair and unrealistic at this point? Here's where I'm at on Dustin Wolf. Uh, you know, he's played once. Uh, he's got one win this year in five starts. He's been beaten up a little bit here. His numbers aren't great. Um, I don't think anybody expects him to come into the NHL in his first year, any goalie yeah. uh, at all. Uh, I look at that poor Devin Levi in Buffalo just getting absolutely crushed, and that's that's on the organization to me. Uh, but you got a situation where if he was six foot five, I'd sit here and say, you know what, he's been the most outstanding goalie each of the last four years in every league he's played in. He's by far the best, you know, goaltending prospect on the planet. That's not in the NHL. But if he was six foot five, there'd be no questions about it. I think he could make that final step. But the question mark that surrounded him his entire life, and the reason why he was a last round pick, is because he's barely six feet tall and he's about 160 pounds, and uh, and that's a big question mark for a guy. Uh, the shooters are that much better in the American Hockey League. The game is that much faster. Uh, the adversity you face is that much you know stronger. So uh, there are still lots of questions. I think he could be a, a, an NHLer. I absolutely do. Um, I think he still has obviously a long way to go before he can prove that he can be the superstar that he's been in the Western Hockey League and the American Hockey League. Yeah, for sure. What about uh, Dan Vladar? Where did he come out on him? 
I think pretty much any team in the league would like to have him as their backup. Uh, I'm not sure there's a team in the league who thinks that he's capable of stepping in and being a starter right now. Uh, Again, they're very happy with him as a backup. Um, You know, again, these are all issues. You know, when you ask about Markstrom, you have to factor in those two guys. Yes. Um, You know, this is a team that's only three points out of a playoff spot. And yes, that's, that's an eternity behind the, the the group when there's like four or five teams chasing the spot and you're about to lose your best defensive pairing in the trade market. Um, you know, it's a long shot at best for the Flames to stay in in this race. But if you trade Markstrom, then then it's over that day, that minute, mm-hmm. uh, because he's keeping them in games that they don't belong in. And so, uh, you know, the, the debate internally, I'm sure, is, okay, what's best for Wolf? Because that's what this is really all about. You got two of the years left with Markstrom, but you're trying to open up room for Wolf to see if you've got your goalie of the future that you think you have. Is he best served playing with Vladar and they get lit up every night and this team goes team tank like that they, they vowed never to do? Or is he better served, you know, under Markstrom for a couple of years where he only gets about thirty starts a year, but he's learning from one of the better goalies in the league? It's these are all debates that they've got to have. The one thing I will say is I don't know if Vladar's contract is tradable. Uh, he's making, uh, what is he, 2.9 million? Yeah, it's two two plus a year. Um, that's a almost impossible contract to trade when his numbers are as bad as they are right now. Again, the eye test, he's a really solid backup. And, and you guys saw him the last time the Battle of Alberta was on. He was spectacular until he let in a real fluky goal at the end. Um, but he, his numbers, if you're a GM and you're going to stick your neck out and spend, you know, valuable, you know, ass, uh, you know, cap space on him it's tough to go to the public and sell this guy who's got like a 3.35 goals against average 885 save percentage it's not it's not something you can do yeah no that's yeah 2.2 i just looked it up 2.2 mil 2.2, for, yeah. for vladar and yeah i don't because uh, i know there's teams out there like there's a few teams new jersey obviously wants a starting goaltender a lot of the rest are just looking for goaltending depth and you know um yeah you know if calgary would eat half then maybe but uh anytime you eat salary you want to uh, you got to get more in return so uh lastly do you is there anybody else on that roster that uh that you see you know if they're open for business they're like do you see a team saying hey this is a guy that that we think we would like that's realistic like i don't think they're not going to trade you know sharon govich or anybody like that but do you see anybody else that that could potentially be moved between now and uh the eighth yeah i guess i guess you can't rule anybody out because it's time for a significant overhaul, and that's that's what they're hell bent on doing. You know, I, I, I hate throwing names out there because I don't want to start the rumor mill. But you know, you, you look at guys who have one year left on their contract, like like a, I guess Andrew Mangiapane's got one year left on his contract, and maybe the organization looks and says, "Well, we don't think we can sign him past this year, or, or we, yeah, don't, okay. we may we not may be interested in signing." I don't know, but I'm just not sure. He's not exactly having a banner year. So I'm not sure there's huge value in trading in Andrew Bajapani right now. It's not like he's, you know, just finished his 35 goal season like he did a couple of years ago, and he's a hot commodity. So I, I you know, I guess very few names would surprise me, uh, but I think the focal point, and it does take up all their energy right now, looking at those three guys that we've discussed and debating what you're going to do with them, and in Markstrom's case, if you're going to move them. Like, that, that, that is all-consuming, I think, to this organization. Yeah. Well, like, moving Markstrom, as you said, Eric, you move him and you're done. Like, you could move your two defensemen. You're probably going to have to bring a defenseman back anyway, just to, you know, to make the cap space work for the end of the year. Yeah. And with Markstrom there, you still maybe could get in because St. Louis is going to probably sell off some pieces. And uh, who knows? Nashville and Seattle might do the same thing. So I do agree with you that if you keep Markstrom, you at least keep the opportunity to lie. 
Whereas if the other two, you can move them, you probably still have a chance. Exactly. And you know what? This is a young team. Like they've integrated a lot of youngsters in this lineup. And and to be quite honest, I, it's kind of unfair to your room. You know, they, they've worked pretty hard to stay in this race against some pretty significant odds. Uh, you got all these youngsters who are, who are doing yeoman's work. Um, and, and, you know, they're calling it a retool on the fly. And then you go and gut them, you know, right before the trade deadline by trading away your MVP. Hey, at the end of the day, long-term has to take precedence for this organization in terms of planning and good on Conrad for biting the bullet and maybe having to do something like that. But, man, what kind of message does it send when the team's busted their hump to stay in this? Um, and, and, there's a, you know, I guess there's a chance they could stay in this and get you a couple playoff dates. Uh, but boy, if you you're right, it would go thump in a hurry if uh, oh, you traded yeah. Markstrom. Oh, yeah. yeah, it would be it would be an ugly thing. Fi- and an and ugly this finish. city, it's it's interesting, Jason, because this city is like divided. I wrote a column today saying, you know, last night's game was another example. They beat you know Boston in a thrilling game, yep. all because of Markstrom. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I said that's another example of why you don't trade him because he he still gives you a chance. Plus, plus, plus. And, uh, you know, and, and the, it's about a 50-50 split in this city. Half people want, you know, Team Tank in yeah. this organization to finally get a good draft pick because they've never drafted higher than fourth, you know, in the history of the Flames. And uh, and they're sick of being in the mushy middle where this organization's been for 30 years. Yeah, the problem is uh, tanking once does nothing. You'll just, you know, what? Uh, uh, those who want Tank are the ones, I don't think, who ever buy tickets. Right, and they yeah. can and they can shut the TV off in an instant when it goes bad because that's easy to do. Because, but it is hard yeah. to say, hey, you want? I'll, I'll can I'll I will commit right now for the next decade of my season tickets, and you go in a tank. Like, trust me, that's because it's easy to to say, hey, I'll watch the team from afar and stuff. But when you want to spend all that much money knowing the team isn't good, it's a lot harder to do. Absolutely, and and you know, I, I know that management points to Buffalo and and yeah. Edmonton is probably a bad example right now because. But it took so a decade, good. man. It took a long time, and there's no there's no guarantee you're ever going to bounce back. Or yeah. you know, like you could be Buffalo and, yeah. and Detroit taking forever to do this. And and as we know, you know, the backdrop of all this is that there's a new arena coming in three to four years, and you know, everybody says they're all on board for Team Tank until their new arena is ready, <laughs> and then by that team, the team will be peaking. Well, it doesn't happen like that, uh, everybody. I try to remind everyone. Oh, yeah. Team Tank is never a one-year thing. I actually looked into it, did all study. A real rebuild, like a true one, is minimum eight years of suck. So uh, that's uh, it's never good. Uh, you can retool maybe and get lucky like the Rangers and win a draft lottery and then sign an Artemi Panarin and stuff like that that can expedite things a bit. But most of them take eight years right, uh, to be any sort of good. And it's uh, and even then, there's no guarantee. So uh, it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens, Eric. Always good to talk to you, my man. Have a great weekend. All right, bud. We'll see you tomorrow. You betcha. Cheers. That's uh, Eric Francis, of course. Flames in Edmonton tomorrow. And uh, Jacob Markstrom, I don't know if you watched that game last night, but oh, my goodness, he was unreal. Like, if if I if it's true that they had the trade set and then New Jersey's like, yeah, but you got to retain salary. I'm like, what? New Jersey, if you want the goalie that bad and you think your team's good, what the hell are you doing? Just take it. It's six million. Like for a starting goalie, six million isn't crazy. It's not outlandish. Clearly, that's what you're missing in New Jersey. When I heard that report, and I don't know if it's 100 true or not, but my goodness, that's uh, that's a pretty big gouser. Because uh, New Jersey clearly needs him. There's no question. But if Calgary gives him up, like, I'm not so, like, I know everybody's been Dustin Wolf, Dustin Wolf. I'm like, yeah. 
in the minors. In the minors to the NHL is such it's like it's massive. It's there's no guarantee, even close, that it'll be that good. We'll see. I hope he is, but that's a pretty big risk because then you're spending the next how many years trying to find a starting goalie. Quick break. We'll come back. We've got a lot of text to get to. 833-401-1440. We'll get to the uh, lineup and more on The Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We continue on. Positive Friday. How are you? A rare back-to-back home game set for the Edmonton Owners tonight. Minnesota, tomorrow the Calgary Flames. And the Edmonton Owners tonight with a win can move into second place in the Pacific. They will have erased a 20-point deficit over Vegas. November 10th, the Edmonton Oilers were 20 points. They had five points. Vegas had 25. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since then, the owners have uh, racked up 63 points and uh, Vegas has put up 45. 18 points they've gained and a win tonight would make it 20 and they'd still have three games in hand on Vegas. So last night, Dallas, Vegas, Vancouver, LA, all losing Colorado, losing in overtime. So good night for the orders. They can make it a great start to their weekend and getting a win tonight. As we get to the uh, lineup brought to you by Sherwood park power sports and Marine, the exclusive spot in Sherwood park for all things, uh, Yamaha, including Yamaha boats, boat motors, ATVs, side by sides, Dirt bikes, motorcycles, and more. Stop in now. They're open. All new building. Looking good. Check it out at Sherwood Power Sports and Sherwood Park Power Sports and Marine. The uh, orders lineup, the, there'll be a few changes. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is back after uh, an illness. Kept him out of the game on Wednesday. He will return. He'll play on a line with Leon Dreisettle. Evander Kane will play the right side. McDavid will stay with Hyman and Fogel. You will have McLeod starting with Perry and Yanmark. And uh, Derek Ryan will center Connor Brown 
and Dylan Holloway. Although I uh, expect Dylan Holloway to have a few shifts at center, according to uh, head coach Chris Knobloch. Uh, defense pairings are the same. Nurse Cece, Ekholm Bouchard, Kulak Deharnay, and Calvin Pickard looks to extend his personal win streak to seven straight. Not bad for the backup. Uh, since uh, being recalled, he has a 916 save percentage for the Edmonton Oilers. You uh, can't complain about those numbers. We'll take it all day long. So we'll uh, we'll see if it continues for Calvin Pickard tonight. Uh, Stuart Skinner will get the start in goal tomorrow against the Flames. Meanwhile, uh, Minnesota, Zach Bogosian is out. A lot of their ruggedness is out. Patrick Maroon's hurt. You have uh, Marcus Foligno, who is tough, mean, big, can skate. He's out. Bogosian got hurt last game. So that's three of the more physical guys out of the lineup tonight for the Wild. And uh, their top line, though, comes in. They're hot. Red hot. Erickson X centering Kaprizov and uh, Matt Boldy. Erickson Eck and Kaprizov both had three goals and three assists in that crazy 10-7 win over Vancouver earlier this week. In their seven games uh, since the All-Star break, Kaprizov 14 points, Eck 13 points, and Boldy 11. They have been very good. So the order is that that's the line you got to be uh, watchful of. The uh, the rest of the lineup, not bad, because uh, the teams combined for uh, 28 goals, average of four a game in their last seven. Hartman's going to center Johansson and Zuccarello. Uh, Marco Rossi, this is a young line, Marco Rossi with Jake Lucini and Vinny Lettieri. Okay, that's their third line. Can, can the orders maybe take advantage of that? We'll see. And then you have Connor Dewar centering uh, Freddie Gaudreau and uh, Brandon Duhane. On the back end, uh, their top pair, Brock Faber, has played 26 minutes and 20 seconds a game since December 1st. Jeez, and he's a rookie. He's doing really well. I'll tell you right now, he should watch number seven tonight for Minnesota. If you just want to appreciate a good young player, watch Brock Faber. Good player. Uh, he's playing with uh, Jacob Middleton, Jonas Brodeen, and uh, Declan Chisholm, who will play his eighth NHL game tonight. And if I'm the Edmonton Oilers, that's the guy I'm going after. Uh, then you have uh, Dakota Mermis, uh, 30 years of age, kind of first time in his career he's ever been a regular in the NHL. Uh, this is his 39th game. He's played 66 in his career. The age is 30, uh, him and John Merrill. So there's another pair I think the orders uh, can exploit if they want. The Wild, I've mentioned they've scored a lot, but uh, they've also given up uh, quite a bit. Uh, this is an opportunity uh, for the orders offense to keep rolling. Obviously, they'd love to start uh, getting back to the tight defensive game that they played for much of December and uh, January. So we'll see if they can do it. we would start with their penalty kill. And it's going to be tough because the Wild, they're coming in red hot on their power play. 30% in their last seven games, 10 goals on the power play. The Orders have allowed 11 in their last seven. So uh, not a great combination. But uh, you're going to have to start at some point, And uh, we will see if uh, tonight's the night for the Orders penalty kill to... Uh, to get back on track. So there you have it. That's the uh, lineup brought to you by Sherwood Power Sports and Marine. We got uh, Craig Button, uh, Wanya Gretz coming up. Uh, lots of text. 833-401-1440. Hey, guys, what's a realistic package the Devils would have to uh, offer Calgary? From Stu. Um, well, Holtz, I think, would be involved. Uh, I'm guessing Calgary would like a defenseman. Uh, in that trade, right? And they're probably going to have to take, uh, I-, I would think, one of New Jersey's goaltenders, right? That's just because I know that Calgary has two, but they still probably would, would take one back, right? You got uh, 
um, Dawes and Poulter and, you know, you got Vitek Vanasek if need be. That's probably the guy that they probably have to move just because of cap space, I would think. Right. So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes there, but I would guess that's what it is. And if, but if I'm them, I'm looking, I'd like a defenseman or at least a good defensive prospect, right? Like you're not going to get Hughes or, or, uh, Nemich. Let's just start there. Right. That's not going to happen. But like, I wonder if, like, if I was the Flames, you know who the guy I would really try to go after? We'd try to get Jonas Siegenthaler. I think he's a Because, look, if you're going to lose Hannafin and you're going to lose Tanev, you're going to need some defensemen. Right? And you'd have uh, Siegenthaler. He's locked up for four more years after at a really good 3.4. Like, he's a solid defender. And so I think, the, you know, you get the young guy and Holtz up front. So, yeah, something around that, I would guess. They're, they could ask for Siegenthaler. They might not get him. That's That's the challenge. Like, look back at goalie trades. And when was the last time he got real significant return for a goalie? Can you think of one? Like, remember, Marc-Andre Fleury got basically moved for nothing out of Vegas. It was just like a salary cap dump. Here you go. Take him. It's uh, it's hard to get really good value for your goaltender. Come back, Juan Gretz will join us. Then we got uh, Craig Button and more on The Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca after the Connor Halley Sports 1440 update brought to you by Fountain Tire. Snow's coming back, so make sure that you got the right tires on. Uh, if you don't have them now, what are you waiting for? But more importantly, if you have uh, any mechanical issues, need fixed, got the top-end certified mechanics right now at FountainTire.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.